Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and we are hyped up to give you some sports. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, Today at gmail.com. The website is rayandtaytoday.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, iTunes, YouTube. We're here for you. We're going to talk NBA playoffs, some NFL draft, updates, hockey, some baseball. But, Ray, today I'm feeling purple, man. I, I, I just got to give out a rest in peace to Prince Rogers Nelson, 57, passed away yesterday on my mother's 75th birthday. It was a pretty emotional day. And when I think about our boy and I think about the backdrop, backdrop of our lives in a soundtrack, and I think about the 80s icons, three out of the four are gone, Whitney, Michael, now Prince, Madonna still standing. But Prince, Under the Cherry Moon, Purple Rain, I think of all the movies, you know, but I think of the songs and everyone loves Purple Rain, you know, Adore, I Would Die For You, Let's Go Crazy, 1999 was just like ridiculous. But Ray, for me, I like, Sometimes it snows in April because it's not always the most popular. Some people don't know about it. It was on the Under the Cherry Moon soundtrack, and it just captures so much. This guy played 27 instruments. I have to drop the mic. There's not much more I can say. I will miss you, but I will play your music forever. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A true legend. 27 instruments. That's ridiculous. And remember how much he produced. Rashina Easton, Sheila E, Vanity, um, The Time, and the big hit for Sinead O'Connor that he wrote, Nothing Compares to You. Right. This guy was a unique talent. I mean, we talk about he was kind of like LeBron James, to put it in sports terms. He could do everything. You know, he could pass, dribble, shoot. So this guy could play all the instruments. He wrote, he directed, he produced I mean, if you look at his album tributes, they typically do it in alphabetical order. So it's like, you know, all the instruments that he does, musical direction, composing, he's unbelievable. And he pushed the limits of kind of what was acceptable in music. And yeah, fashion. Whole, you know, fashion, what he did between his fashion and, and, and sexuality and, and lyrics and musically – and the thing is, and he went against the establishment. Remember, for a decade, it was the, the, the artist formerly known as, and he was a symbol. Yeah, a symbol. They wouldn't give him back his name, and he finally got, and, and that's the business side, he got his catalog. He bought his catalog back. So props to him, and, man. That's amazing. And, and he also has a link to the sports world, right? Oh, yeah. Obviously, you know, there was that whole thing. We talked about that a little bit over there with Dave Chappelle, the whole playing basketball against Charlie and Eddie Murphy, and, and he grew up playing sports. <laughs> And then you talk about halftime performances. So there, uh, the story comes out. I didn't hear. I didn't know this, but the story comes out that 
you know, it, they always choose destinations for the Super Bowl where it's above 50 and it doesn't rain. So it never rains in Miami in February, and it rained yeah. that Super Bowl. Remember, that was a Peyton Manning yeah. Super Bowl, the first one. He said, let it and rain so, more. <laughs> exactly. And they said, how could we help you? You know, obviously the producers were like, oh, my God, we got this artist, and, and he's been known to be a little bit, you know, whimsical, and, and, and is he going to be all right in the rain? He says, bring it on, make it rain harder. So that's what uh, I need to really bring down the house. So yeah, rest in peace. And, and that was one of my favorite performances. That Michael Jackson, you too. But Prince, I mean, in the rain. Come on, that that was perfect. <laughs> make make it rain. Make it rain. Did you know Ray, the darling Nikki? That song and the lyrics. That is what put parental advisory advisory uh, notices on top of uh, album covers and CDs and records. Really, darling Nikki. Yeah. Before okay. hip hop, it was Prince, Darling Nikki. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh man, it's it's unbelievable, and every all the tributes from every network, CNN, and all the artists, and they just interviewed Sheila E. People dot com released that he had Pfeiffer's disease, which I never heard of. I don't know if that's true yet. They're doing an autopsy today. Um, he will be missed. He will be missed. And I had a friend, and I heard Prince's voice on her answer machine, a friend of mine, I used to babysit her children. She dated Prince for a little bit. She met him, I think in London or Paris over a game of chess in a hotel lobby. <laughs> this is how unique this guy was. But she was playing chess? Yeah. Oh yeah. But they're saying about his catalog and, and that he's got thousands of songs in the vault and he was writing his memoirs. But she said he would wake up two or three in the morning and compose and play just original classical and jazz music that he just didn't want to release. And, you know, he created the whole Prince and Raspberry Beret and the whole facade to separate his music from himself. And just fascinating, fascinating human being. And just, uh, but he, he, he had a big heart. He cared and he, you know, taught people to be, I think a free, a free spirit and inspirational. That's what he told Larry King. You can't categorize my music. It's just inspirational. And, hey, we're inspired. So we move on to sports. We move on to sports. And, you know, they said he played football, basketball. He was 5'2". And in ninth grade, he coached his uh, church league. <laughs> you got to love oh that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Prince, man. Rogers, Prince Rogers Nelson. That, that's just, you know, that is it. So last night, We'll get into the NBA playoffs. Last night, man, they had a back-and-forth game, Warriors-Rockets. Steph wanted to play. Curry uh, Curry did the right thing and aired on the side of caution. And maybe if Draymond doesn't lose the ball at the end, maybe they still could have got the game. But you got to give the Rockets a little bit of credit. They finally showed that they have some self-respect and pride, played some hoops, and won a game. And James Harden... You know, he pushed off the last shot, Ray, but what, 35, 8, and 9? I mean, that's what you expect from him. And I guess my question to you is, does Kerr panic and play Curry and play Steph on Sunday? Or or is it Saturday? I think it's Saturday. Sunday. Sunday. Does he play him for game four? Or does he say, you know what, let's, you know, let's, let's get one, let's steal one more day and game of rest and we can we can beat this team what what would you do what do you what do you think and what are your thoughts about the remainder of this series 
So you won't win a championship without Steph Curry. I don't yeah. think you'll win. You definitely you can win this series without Steph Curry. I don't think that's a problem. But but you don't want to play too many games without him because then people are playing too many minutes. People are playing out of position a little bit. So you don't actually want this to go on too far. I personally would sit him. I think you're up 2-1. Worst comes to worst, you're 2-2 back home. You don't want to be in a best-of-three series, but you know what? Steph Curry's had ankle problems before. He's a little dude. He uses his feet and gets himself free. And he, he also the psychological element to it, right? You want this guy to be free, not thinking about his ankle, not thinking about if he can do his little jab step crossover. You know, he's very active with his feet. So I personally would, unless he's at 90%, I personally would sit. I think I agree with you. You know, I, I don't see, because to me, I don't see the benefits of playing him and then, yeah, you win, but then he retweaks it, where to me, that and extra it's only the first round. Exactly. And I think, honestly, if he's like 70, 80% against the Clippers, they could go down. Because I think the Clippers are slowly starting to warm back up. Chris Paul's playing great. Um, you know, they're up in that series. I think is game three tonight. They're up 2 0. I'm not sure if game three, I forgot who's playing tonight, but, you know, they. They're well, they looking. They good. play tomorrow. Yeah, tonight. They tonight play tomorrow. Like, yeah, Cavs, Pistons, Hawks, Celtics, and Spurs, Grizz. Right, and you know, it it's, looks like the all those are two of the playoffs have not been so competitive. Obviously, you know, you give props to Dallas for getting that one game, but they're now down two one. Um, the Celtics came close in game one, but then after the Bradley injury, you got to believe tonight, maybe the Hawks, maybe the Celtics win one at home. And, you know, I don't know. Do you think the Pistons have a win in them at home? One, because they, they've played well both games, but then that fourth quarter, that fourth quarter was brutal. Stanley Johnson is, Le- is in LeBron's head, right? So maybe. Did you hear that? You think he's in his head? I don't know if he's in his head. <laughs> No, he's not. He thinks he's in his head. I don't know if he's in his head. (laughs) He's in his own head. Yeah. Stanley. I mean, look. But give Detroit credit. They're not your average eight seed. You'd have to admit that. They they look like, to me, I, I always say this. When young teams make the playoffs, even if they get swept, it's okay because you're building for the future. And that's what you're seeing with Detroit. I'd like to see them get one win for the future. But even if they get swept, Ray, I'm okay with it because Van Gundy and what they're building there, this will help them tenfold next season where they could be a fifth or a fourth seed. You know what I mean? So this experience to me is so important for them. You know? Yeah, and they need to get their point guard situated. I mean, I love that, but, you know, Polk and if this kid Stanley Johnson turns out to be a player uh, and obviously in the oh, front I love Reggie court. Jackson. Reggie Jackson's legit. Yeah, but is he your – I mean, are you winning a champion? Are you going deep in the playoffs with Reggie Jackson as your point guard? Like, to me, he's that that tweener, that scoring point. You know what I mean? I mean, he, he puts up great numbers, but I'm not sure that's a – You're that's saying a, he's more like Vinny Johnson that he, than he is like a Isaiah or a Dumar. It's like he's got he, – you he want him to be that scoring third guard like Jamal Crawford, who, by the way, let's give props, his third in a row, sixth man of the year. 
Wow, right? That's that's good. Yeah, that puts him as an elite six man, right? Ricky Pearson, Kevin McHale one two. So he's he's great. My guy CJ McCollum one most improved. So the NBA. Oh, he deserves yeah, it. The, NBA is in, is in good hands. I just I just want this second round to be here already because no, I know the first round is not too exciting. What's going on with your Pacers? It looks like they're kind of. I think it's over. I think they're kind of done. You know, Demar Derozan is too good a player to play the way he did the first couple games, and he yeah. finally showed why he's Demar Derozan and not. <laughs> you know, some other Canadian Drake, uh, you know, fan. So, <laughs> good for them. Indiana might sneak one more, but I think Toronto's winning this series. I don't, I don't think it's a problem. Uh, uh, I think it's a one. The question is, is also tonight, though, is, you know, do you think that the Celtics have a chance against the Hawks, right? The Hawks haven't been playing great, but they've, yeah. for the most part, been the better team in this series. They have, but missing Avery Bradley is brutal. You know defensively what Bradley can do, and so you're asking Marcus Smart um, and Evan Turner and different guys to sort of play the Avery Bradley role, and I think They're it's impossible. They're both decent defenders, though. Smart and Evan Turner are not bad. I mean, they're not, you know, uh, Avery Bradley I think they get a game. I think they can defender. Tonight. I think you I think you're right. They have a shot and they could win tonight. I just don't think they could pull out the series without Bradley. Cuz Bradley can score and defend and I just don't know if the young guards could uh replicate that. Where's my boy RJ Hunter? I mean, I know Rozier's been playing. RJ Hunter can't get no burn. Not no. in this series. RJ, <laughs> I think his defense too. I think I think he gets, <clears throat> he gets knocked a little bit for his defensive rotation and his on-ball, you know, I don't know if it's effort, but it's hard. It's hard to play D when you're a rookie, especially when you went to a smaller school and you didn't have to play against studs every game in college. Yeah, I have a, a bigger question for you in terms of talking NBA playoffs. A lot of people have been bringing this up, and I even wonder myself, should the NBA go back to – and probably all the sports, baseball and hockey, but specifically the NBA, uh, should they go back to the best of five in the first round? I kind of wonder, one, it it can create more opportunity for an upset because it's hard for a lesser talented team to win four out of seven. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, I know it's all for money, so it will never go back. You know, I get that. But I also think it's, it's just too much it's too much, you know, too much game, too much playing. I don't know. So I, you, I agree with everything you said. I think that it gives the underdog a better chance. I don't know if that's good or bad for the league. I mean, the league probably wants the favorites to get out of the first round just because they're probably the better draws, better TV ratings, you know, better for business. Um, yeah. And these two more games potentially is a lot of money. In, in all sports. So it's not going to change, but I, I do agree. Especially think about one verse. I mean, this, this is a special year, especially in the, in the West, but like one versus seven, I'm uh, sorry, one versus eight, two versus seven, maybe three, six, a little more competitive. Do we really want to see a best of seven? No, I don't think so. Best of five is fine. I think put some pressure on a one seed to earn it, you know, 
put some pressure on a two seed to lock it up and and uh, and go on to the next round. So I'm not a huge fan of best of seven. It also means that you're playing four best of seven series to win. So that means your postseason, even if you do like Moses with four, 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 you have to win 16 games, right? And you're not sweeping all those series. So you you have to play 20 to 25 postseason games. That's a lot. That's more than a quarter of a season, right? It's on an 82, yeah, exactly. On an 82-game oh. schedule, you figure how many preseason games are there now? Six? Seven, something like yeah. six, eight preseason games. So you're talking about close to 100 games. And the other, here's the other toll it takes. I mean, it's a little bit, but think of the toll that it, it just takes on your superstars, your aging superstars. You know, your Kobe Bryant is not in the playoffs anymore, right? But Kobe but even Bryant, LeBron, your, he plays more Tim playoff Duncan's, minutes. You're right. Your LeBrons, your even your Steph Curry's. Like, really, do you really want to waste their their playoff minutes on a first round matchup against an eight seed? You're totally right because it's um, yeah. I, I think it, it's getting to be a little too much, and and I forgot when they switched it back because for a while it was at five games. I don't even know. We'd have I think, to check on that. Well, four or five years ago. It, it okay, yeah, I definitely. I remember, like you know, for a while we were at that five games. Um, we've had some great first round upsets, but it, I wonder if those were during the five games, like when Denver. Beat Seattle. Yeah, that was the best of five in '96 or '90, whenever. Yeah, was. you know what I mean. Like that was um, that was pretty good. So, yeah, we need to switch it. So, I guess looking forward for the weekend, I uh, I believe most of these series are going to be pretty much over by game five or six for everybody. Look, the Grizzlies don't have a shot or a prayer, you know. That's just, uh, you know, kind of brutal. You almost feel bad for them, but you got to give them credit for still, I guess, holding on to making it to the seventh seed. You know, they could have, I guess, totally collapsed and not even made the playoffs. So in some respects, you got to give Jaeger and Randolph and Conley and, and, you know, the rest of those guys a little bit of credit for, uh, you know, I mean, it was a, a, a very brutal season for them with the injuries. I mean, you know, that, that was rough. And then the trade of Jeff Green. But when you lose Gasol, you know, it's um, it it is what it is. So, look, the NBA playoffs are, are gonna really rev up, but I'm telling you, man, just you know, I don't know if the Blazers can get a game at home, but I'm seeing the Clippers, Ray, and it seems like slowly but surely they're starting to come together and play a little bit better. And you gotta believe, Clippers, Warriors, you know, the the war of the state, you know, the California war. That's gonna be um, that's gonna be serious. It's gonna be good. Let's talk about some of these hirings before we leave the NBA. Your thoughts on Thibodeau? Um, look, the money is sort of not you know insequential in a way, but I mean the, it's big money because he's president and the coach. But then Scott Layden, our boy from Utah and New York, um, is the GM. What were your thoughts on Thibodeau with the Wolves? My sort of mo was it could. I think it's great, but I think it's got a three- to four-year cap, and I think he might exhaust them. And I don't know if that would lure free agents or then even make these guys not want to re-sign for a second contract. How do you look at it? So I agree with that sentiment. Playing with Thibodeau, for Thibodeau, is hard. People don't like (laughs) it. So the only way that you can put some deodorant on that 
is if you win. Yeah. And if Tom Thibodeau can get this young studly team into a four five seed, and let's say they, uh, you know, maybe even win a first round series next year or the year after, then his argument is, hey guys, you know, you had fun playing ball under you know Sam Mitchell and all these other guys that that have come through the you know come through the ranks here in Minnesota. But if you really want to win, you got to lock down on defense. You got to mature and you got to you know, become a winner, become a champion. My guess is, like you said, especially with young players, I don't know how he, well he's going to resonate with those young players. So you might have to have a Mark Jackson situation where Thibodeau's the guy or a Buck Showalter situation in baseball where you want to right. be the guy after the guy, right? So you want right. to be the He puts the foundation of defense for three years, right. and then you get somebody else to go get the ring. <laughs> and then you want, exactly. And then you want to be the Doc Rivers. Well, he, he, he was the defensive guy for Doc Rivers, but you want to be that guy in 2018, 2019, when hopefully Carl Anthony Towns is still there and Zach Levine is still there and Andrew Wiggy, get Wiggy with it, is still there. And then they've learned how to play ball. They've learned how to play defense. And then you're challenging the West because they'll be in their prime. So I feel like you I could see them staying time. together, though. Don't you Don't you think there could be a potential? Like, if they get that confidence, let's say next year they get the eighth seed, seventh seed, and then they, you know, build from that, win a game, whatever. I could see them saying, you know what? I believe in Tibbs and, and let's stay together. But, like you said, they might have to, like, it has to be, like, get in, get out. Like, three, four years with Tibbs and then come bring in, like, Luke Walton or – Brian Shaw or Mark Jackson or, you know, somebody or Jay Wright. You know what I mean? Or Kobe Bryant. Ah, Kobe Bean. Ah. Oh, did you see the NBA on TNT? They uh, basically offered a job to Kobe. I don't think he would ever take it, but I thought that was fascinating. You know, to be there. Would he sit there with Shaq? Shaq, I know, right? I know Kobe's Kobe. trying to go big time. He's talking about Walt Disney. He wants to make movies and great basketball movies, which I, I could imagine him doing. I mean, you know, he's sort of a savant, highly intelligent guy, you know, all the multiple languages. Kobe wants big challenges. I can see him being an owner maybe one day. Yeah. I, you know, again, I, Kobe's one and only goal. I would imagine there's two guys that Kobe looks up to in the business world. Maybe it's magic in the sports management world. It's it's um, uh, Michael Jordan and those guys own franchises and they own businesses and they're making big money. So I don't think him sitting at a desk, uh, uh, you know, in Atlanta hanging out with Charles and Kenny is <laughs> what he's got much bigger aspirations than that. I mean, we love it and it's entertaining and, and, and those are our guys. But I think uh, Kobe wants to do bigger and better things than that. Wait, wait. He needs to look up to our boy Jamal Mashburn, the 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 what thirty five uh, franchises or something. And and I mean, he might even be close to a billion. I mean, people don't even know Jamal is making cake. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Kobe wants to own a team. I mean, I think also no, no, I know Jordan Magic Johnson. That's kind of his his mo. It's great to hear these stories, though, right? Because even with the uh, Grant Hill ownership. I didn't realize, you know, them buying the Hawks, a lot of that money was coming from Marcus Johnson. Who knew Marcus Johnson has got serious cake? They used to well, play for the Bucks. he made a lot of his money in fast food chains. 
if I'm not yeah. mistaken, Marcus Johnson has a bunch of Taco Bells and Dunkin' Donuts and Wendy's. Yeah, I no, he's big time. He, he, he might be, I think, a majority owner of the Hawks. Or he's one of the, like, two or three guys, you know? So that's Really? I, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, Marcus, yeah, he's, he's part of that group. So that's great. You know, you, you love to hear those stories. So what about Scott Brooks with the Washington Wizards? You know, I like Scott Brooks, but I thought that the Thunder needed a change to go to the next level. And I don't know if this is, I mean, obviously they look, they don't know if they're going to get Durant or not. So they definitely believe in Scott Brooks and I think he's a good coach, but how do you like the fit? And Oh, by the way, if it helps lure Durant back home, it's even icing on the cake for the Wizards. What are are your thoughts about that hire? Well, yeah, so everybody seems to like Scott Brooks. Now, I don't know if deep down in Kevin Durant's heart of hearts, Scott Brooks makes the Wizards a more valuable team. Probably not less valuable because he he likes it from all intents. He likes playing with him. Does he view him? I don't know that he views him as Phil Jackson. You know what I mean? I don't know that he views him as I'm going to ride this guy to an NBA championship, even Doc Rivers, let's say. I think so, he's going to look at the roster more than anything. And to me, fair enough. Wall and Beal are great, but it's, I don't know if it's enough and they don't, and the health factor, right? Yeah. I, I, and the front court, frankly, you know, Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. maybe one of the, and he said, look, I've played with James Harden. I've played with Russell Westbrook. I've played with, uh, you know, some Reggie Jackson. I mean, you're decent. I mean, obviously Westbrook and, and Durant are, are phenomenal. But, you know, maybe he looks at it and says, I, you know, I need some help with, with in the front court. I need some big man help. I need some support. And obviously Gortat and Nene are getting old. So what's the future of the front court situation? The back court's great if they can stay healthy. And, and you're right, Otto Porter maybe – if they keep him, he becomes a sixth man, seventh man. You yeah. know, he's a nice little talent uh, uh, to have, especially coming off the bench. Um, but w- where's that front court help? You know, uh, I would love to see Kevin Durant, for his own sake, maybe go to the East. Um, you maybe have a little bit easier time, and just it, w- it would be him and LeBron basically for the next five years. Um, well, you know, people say that they still might uh, try to recruit him down to Miami. That might be fascinating. I don't know. You know, Pat Riley is a master of working that cap and, you know, and I don't know what money's coming off this year. And then you don't know about Bosch, but if they could ever lure Durant to Miami, the way that you see Miami sort of developing, wow, that could be. If it was, if this was two years ago and I still think Dwayne Wade had some gas in the tank, I would be like, wow, that's awesome. Cause we thought that, even Luau Dang is actually playing better. Luau Dang would help at least put them neck and neck with, uh, you know, with the elite in the Eastern Conference. But obviously, if you can get Kevin Durant, I don't know if you can keep all those guys, but, but if, if somebody can get into Hassan Whiteside's head and stay there, because, you know, he's in and out of being really good to being, you know, just average. But if somebody mm-hmm. can consistently motivate this kid, and if Chris Bosh has anything – uh, left in terms of health, it's Dwayne Wade ultimately because Dragic is, is kind of. I think he'll never really flourish until Wade is out, until Wade is Wade is no longer there, and then Goran really will, will will be able to flourish like you started to see in Phoenix. Um, but yeah, 
Miami's interesting. Miami's one of the more interesting spots. I didn't know that that's one of the teams he's looking at, though, right? He's, what, what they're saying is either L.A., wait for Westbrook, stay in OKC. I think he Westbrook, does a one-year deal at OKC, and then the two of them might either decide to leave together or re-up together. I think, okay. I think it basically, so basically in two years, they would both maybe meet up in L.A., and then Byron would be gone and maybe Phil would come back home and they, you know, Luke Waltham would coach them. I think that's the secret plan that I'm sensing that's going to wind up happening. So what do you think about basically the Knicks looking like they're going to keep Rambis? I don't necessarily want David Blatt. And then Phoenix, they re-upped Earl Watson. So kind of minor moves, but maybe good for the teams. I don't know if the Knicks players really want Rambis, though. So what, what do you think? What do you think inevitably is going to happen with the Knicks and Phil and just the direction that's headed? I think Phil's going to leave. He's going to be so frustrated. Look, it's hard to leave $12 million on the, on the table, but I just see this team's not going anywhere. Um, Carmelo, I think, is officially on the downside of his career. And so Can you time to team, trade him? Can you trade him? I would. If somebody wants him, take him. Because what, why have a Carmelo if you're going to win 34 games? You know what I mean? It's Unless you can lure Durant this offseason. The, but, but they play the same position. Who's going to play the four? Who's going to want to get in there and, and, and bang and I rebound? I think in the new basketball in the NBA, if you have a good rebounding center, one of them could play the four. Melo could play the four. They both, him and Durant can rebound decently enough. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. No. Is there going to be an issue? Is there going to be an issue with the basketball though? Uh, is, are there enough shots to keep both of these guys happy? I mean, obviously, Westbrook and he can do it, but they go up and down the court a lot. There are much more. I, I could uh, see them playing together. Honestly, I, I really, I really could see them playing together. I, I don't think that would be far fetched at all. I just don't know if we'd be so lucky to ever get him. But in terms of so them working out, you make Chris Stapps Porzingis your five, play him out of position for a couple of years. Listen, the and way they, the NBA is going, that's who Chris Stapps is. He's he's an athletic stretch five. That's that's the new future, I think. I think he could play the five. He'll get more beef on him. And Lopez can come off the bench, sixth, seventh man as a backup five. Why not? Okay. The problem is, is who's your point guard? The Knicks need a point guard. So I don't know if you could get Rondo or whoever, but you you need someone that can penetrate. As the, as the court is spread out for spacing, then you need someone that can beat somebody off the dribble and take it to the Baja. You could be bringing Raymond Felton back after his little uh, resurgence there in Dallas. Did you see? I was like, is that Ray Ray? <laughs> Yo, Ray looked good. I'm telling you, and Raymond Felton was fired up, and so was Dirk, but but they don't have enough. They don't have no, they don't bullets have enough. in the holster. They, they don't. They don't have. Enough. But you, you know, I, I know you caught. You know, there was some emotion there because yo, know, I was like, is that Ray Ray looking good? Ray Ray was, was doing it. He was, and he was fired up. And you know what? They're getting under each other's skin. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some some pushing, more pushing and shoving, some. I don't want to say fist of cups, but uh, but that that series is getting a little contentious. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be a lot to look forward to this weekend, and we'll talk about it Monday. But now, Ray, it's time. You are now listening to the NFL Talk. Ray, Ray, Ray.
has been busy this week. I'm telling you, these teams are going for broke. We're going to break down this Eagles-Browns trade, talk about the draft, and Ray and Tay, we're going to give you our top five or six quarterbacks and where we think they might go. And previewing our, you know, getting ready to preview our draft. We're going to do our official mock draft on Monday for our NFL draft preview show. But today we're going to focus on the quarterbacks. First off, the NFL did announce that we'll have some of their younger referees going to do some CFL games in June and July, which I think is good. And then some of their guys will come over here and, you know, learn some things as well. So that's good because they're never going to do full-time jobs. That's just, you know, what are they going to do in all season full-time? I don't even know what that means. But, Ray, did the Eagles – do you like do you like the risk? Did they need to do it? Is it because of the pipeline of what's coming down the line after this year? There's only Deshaun Watson and not too many others out there in college. Like, and Bradford's health and this and like – what is it that you think that, that I guess all of it, was it worth it for the Eagles to give up the farm this year's first pick, switching with the Browns, the third and fourth, next year's second, and then the year after 18's first to the Cleveland Browns, who now will be selecting eight and the Eagles will be two to potentially take Carson Wentz. Break it down, and would you have done it if you were Howie Rosen? Is it worth the risk? Risk reward, no, right? No, no, and no. I am not a fan of this trade one iota for Philadelphia. I understand on paper the argument. The argument yeah. is that the NFC East is aging, specifically at the quarterback position. So Tony Romo and Eli Manning are definitely past their prime. And Your boy, Kirk Cousins, is in Washington on a one-year contract. Who knows what the future of the Redskins and Cousins, maybe he goes somewhere else, maybe he wants too much money. So you say to yourself, okay, the NFC East is there to be had because of uncertainty potentially on the rosters and specifically at the quarterback position. Second argument is that next year's draft looks even weaker than this year's draft for quarterback. So if you're going to do something, and the free agent classes don't look much better. So if you're going to do something, no real quarterback is going to come out for maybe a couple years. You know, there's no Peyton Manning out there. But having said that, you still have to look at what is probably going to be Carson Wentz, even though I think he should go number one. It looks like Jared Goff is probably going to go number one. You have to look at Carson Wentz and say, this guy projects to be a star in the NFL at the very least uh, you know, a 10-year starter and a multiple-year pro bowler to give up what they gave up. And I don't think he does. So I'm down on this trade. I love it for Tennessee uh, trading down, right, the number Clearly, one. And, I, and no, I'm saying I love for Tennessee trading down number oh, one. And they set yeah. the bar so high that Cleveland just was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Cleveland, <laughs> probably the team that needs the most help in the draft, yeah. Has what do they have? Six of the top hundred. Yeah. Six. So they're looking great in terms of you know, it's an opportunity to 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 fill a lot of holes talent wise. They still don't have their you know quarterback position. I'm not sure RG three is the answer, but you know what? Forget about that. Just build up the roster. Uh, so I, I don't like it at all from Philly's perspective, and I don't I know love if it this. 
from Cleveland's perspective. And, and like you, you were saying, we talked about this all fair, Philly's got a lot of money now sunk into the quarterback position. So, uh, and they don't have receivers that can get open and beat one-on-ones. We saw it last year. Aguilar and Matthews, they need a, a, really a number one receiver to t- make the safety cheat over, to take the top off, right? So then Matthews and Aguilar, who are more crafty possession receivers, could do something. Riley Cooper's gone. So, you know, and Matthews has a little bit of size to him. But honestly, you know, yes, you like the tight ends and Selleck and Ertz. And then you got Matthews. But I think when you give up all that for the number two pick, you don't have a second-round pick because of your trade with Foles. So, you know, right now you're basically picking that one, and then I think your next pick is the fourth round because you got back a fourth and I think a sixth or something. So, to me, like, the Eagles are like, woof. So, they're going to rely on uh, veteran receivers cut in camp, undrafted free agent receivers, and maybe a fourth-round pick to potentially get somebody that can help them because – Look, Bradford, he probably doesn't finish the year as a starter. By week 10 or 12, you know, Wentz will probably be starting. Then you can move on from Bradford and Chase Daniels, your very solid backup. It is a risk. You know, I guess maybe I would do it. Maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, you feel like, hey, if you're going to do this, right, maybe would you have done it for next year, Deshaun Watson? Is Deshaun Watson better or going to be better than Carson Wentz? You know, like, what, what is the, the sort of the situation with that? And honestly, I'm just – I'm kind of disappointed. But, you know, for Philly fans, that, that's just where they are. You got to love it for Cleveland. Like you said, with Tennessee, both of them void of talent. So they each are going to get – you could get four to five, maybe six starters. Um, you know, from the first three rounds of all the picks that both those teams have. And that's fantastic for those organizations. And I think Hugh Jackson is the right guy to rejuvenate RG3 and or Ray. And we'll talk about it in a minute in that second or third round, or at least the second round pick at 32, trade back up in the first round for Paxton Lynch, Lynch, right? Package the 77th pick or the 100th pick, or in the second round or in the third round, draft Cardell Jones, Hackenberg, Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan, you know what I mean? And develop them. So there's a lot of potential that the Browns can do. And I'm sure depending on wherever they go late first, second or third, they will in their plethora of picks, they will take a quarterback. So it's a win-win for Cleveland, right? Total win-win. So it's going to be fun. We're getting excited for the draft. Um, Big other NFL news. What are your thoughts about Gettleman and the Panthers rescinding the the franchise and basically making Josh Norman a free agent, a pretty sort of new elite corner, but was really good the last two years, really had a breakout year this year. But, you know, he, he was kind of like one-on-one man up with these receivers, and he held his own to sort of – let him go, and now the Redskins and Niners are both lined up to sign him. Um, I think it's—I don't think it's a smart move. I think it's a, a kind of a, a risk to me. What, what are your thoughts, and how could they replace him? Replacing Josh Norman is really difficult. He is a young, studly, new-age cornerback who can really 
get his Darrell Revis Island on. So I don't understand this. When was the last time in a league that values, you know, four positions nowadays are valued in the league, right? More than any. It's a uh, uh, quarterback, left tackle, defensive end, and cornerback. So yeah. in a league that passes, you need to defend the pass. You let a young guy in his prime Oof. leave. I don't understand. Have him play out one year, even stretch another year out with him. You know, you don't get to go to the Super Bowl that often. You're the defending Super Bowl champion. And, yeah. by the way, you know, all of your flaws on offense were exposed in the Super Bowl by a fast defense. So the one thing you can rely on with this Carolina team, though, is that our defense keeps them in the game. But you know what? Thomas Davis is getting old. Keekley's in his prime. But Thomas Davis is getting old. And now you take Josh Norman off that team. That's a big deal. So – I didn't like it at all. I don't know if there was some animus there between the team and the player, but you, you can't work out. I think the contract talks broke down, Ray, and I guess they were trying to get a long-term deal, and he probably wanted that $14 million, $15 million a year, and they were like, no way, Jose. And they were like, you know what, let's, uh, let's take this. But you uh, can't squeeze one more year out of it? I mean, even if you know this is not going to end up in a loan, that's what franchise tags are for. And then they come out and say, oh, the door's still open. We'd like to negotiate and try to get something. And I'm thinking in my head, like, oh, you already blew that opportunity. Like, he's gone. He's, he's, and he's going to probably sign with the Redskins or the Niners today or tomorrow, and it's going to be a wrap. And I think, you know, there's too many teams out there who had available cap space. Tampa wants them. The Raiders want them. I mean, you know, he might not – you know, get to any other interviews. So I, it, it was, they, uh, I don't know. I think they miscalculated. Yeah, it's going to be a Revis situation here where, you know, Revis played for Tampa for a couple of years, then the Patriots, then made it back to the Jets. Maybe Norman makes it back to Carolina, but I think he's going somewhere else first, maybe one or two stops for sure. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. I, I could definitely see that, you know, it's uh oof. So let's let's uh, let's talk about these quarterbacks, man. Um, you know, we'll figure out the order or whatever. But Goff, Wentz, Lynch, everybody's talking about them as the big three. Then Cook, Hackenberg, Cardell Jones, and you know maybe you know the, whoever could be the next of those guys from Prescott or Hogan or Kessler. But those main guys there. Basically, I think it's kind of obvious, even though we both think maybe the Rams should take Wentz. It looks like the number one, Goff, is going to go to the Rams. I think that's where I would place him, even though I wouldn't agree with it. What, what are you about your thoughts for Goff? You see him going to the Rams? That's what all the reports are saying. They love yeah. his numbers the last three years, Pac-12, California guy. Um, yeah. That's I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I like I Wentz, it. though. I'm, I'm with you. I, I would take Wentz. Yeah. And then number two, the, Wentz is obvious. It's looking like he's going to the Eagles. Where would you place what team you think is going to jump up or let him fall down to him? Where's Paxton Lynch going? So there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks out there. I don't know how many of them are willing to make that move in the first round, but 
Cleveland Browns, right? Could they get busy, get back into the first round, or maybe he he falls to them in the second round? Uh, how about the Dallas Cowboys? You know, they need to start talking about a replacement for Tony Romes. Um, you know, I'll throw a couple out there. Obviously, the San Francisco 49ers need a quarterback. They're not going to take anybody at, you know, at seven. But, uh, you know, maybe they wiggle their way back in or maybe he – Well, maybe they in, trade you know, down now. Maybe they trade down on top of the second round that they get him. So, I would say those three probably, you know, the, the, it's so hard to project past the first round. But I know that each no, of those he's, three teams – No, he's going – listen, the way it's headed now, you might see foolishness on draft night. Like I told you, there's already been two trades. I was predicting five maybe seven, but there could be another three to four more trades. But Paxton Lynch, maybe now even Cook, I think they both might go in the first round. Lynch is, I think Lynch is going to be a first-round pick without a doubt. Really? Right. Oh, there's You're so many teams. You're probably right. Even at the back end, Ray, the Broncos and Cardinals could use, but then guys could trade back in the second round like the Browns, could trade back into the bottom of the first round. The Cowboys could, the Chargers. So, place them. Give him a team. Place them. Where do you think he's going? San Francisco 49ers. Okay. I'm not mad at that. I say – I can see them trading down and getting them. I say it's, it's, I say it's the Browns. Um, I was thinking Jets because he could just fall right there to their laps at, at 20 or whatever, 21 they pick. So I could see the Jets, but for some reason, I think the Browns have that ammunition. And the Moneyball guys, your boy Sachi, they're going to make that move. And – They'll add to their talent. I think they'll get a receiver. But I think, and also probably, you know, defense or another offensive lineman with the eighth pick. But I think they're going to trade back in and they're going to try to scoop up Paxton Lynch if they can ahead of the Jets. If not, I think the Jets could take him. So, okay. how about Connor Cook? Where do you see him going? Oh, he's not a first-round talent. But then again, you know what? We also have to remember that three of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, you know, Peyton Manning and Cam Newton were number one overall picks and they played in the Super Bowl. But if you look at what three of the past four Super Bowl winners, Russell Wilson was a third round pick. You know, uh, uh, a guy like Joe Montana was a third round pick. Tom Brady Brady's was a six round pick. So <laughs> this stuff happens. Um, yep. Connor Cook, to me, is a serviceable guy. I think he's a role player. I don't think he's a, he's a legit starter in the NFL. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of down on him, to be honest with you. So I think mm. that he'll get taken, maybe, but, but I look at him more potentially as, a, as a drafting a backup quarterback, you know? Mm. And, and to me, I, I see him potentially going to – a team that doesn't need a quarterback right now, but eventually is planning for the future because he seems like a smart sort of cerebral cat. So I could see him going to, you know, like an Arizona potentially, uh, who eventually have to look at who's the next quarterback behind Carson Palmer. Yeah. San Diego, who's the next quarterback behind (laughs) Philly Phil Rivers, right? So right now I have the expectation that he has to play, but – wait a year or two, hold the clipboard. And there's no controversy if you hold the clipboard behind Palmer or behind Phillip Rivers. Exactly. Um, all right, so pick one. Which one? I'll say uh, Arizona Cardinals. Okay. And I think you're hit it right, nail on the head. You could throw Dallas in there as well. Um, 
But for me, I'm going to say San Diego, maybe in that top of the second round. I, I think only the three quarterbacks go in the first round. I wouldn't be shocked if four quarterbacks go in the first round. But Connor Cook, to me, not only is he not a first-round pick, he's, he's very inconsistent. I don't know about the leadership questions. That's debatable with whether he's a captain or not. But I would see him have big games and great games. But then you would see him at weird times sort of disappear and, and, and Michigan State's defense and the running game had to win them games. So, and his accuracy was inconsistent. So I, I think Connor Cook to me, maybe second round pick San Diego, Christian Hackenberg, the most fascinating guy probably in the draft. He's a man of mystery. Was he Bill O'Brien first year at Penn State lighted up, looked like he could be a first round quarterback or is he, you know, Franklin and, and, you know, no offensive line, no receivers, and, and bad, bad, bad play at quarterback position. Where do you, where would you see him going? And could he, could he eventually be a starter maybe in the league? So I'm not sure. You know, the, the jury's yeah. out on him. I'm not sure if he's a real pro prospect as a starter. Uh, big, strong kid. You know, all the hype coming out of high school. But I'll have him going to the Dallas Cowboys. A team that needs a quarterback eventually, um, you know, maybe sooner than later. So maybe yep. they take a flyer on this guy and they say, second round was our guy. Yeah, ah, I don't think it goes in the second round. I think it goes like fourth round. Oh wow, he won't last that long, Ray. These you guys are all, going. These guys are all getting bumped up. Cook and Hackenberg are second round picks. Oof. I hate to I mean, scare you, you know, but let me tell you, one of them could even go in the first. It's that crazy. Oh, you gotta think, no. These guys are so desperate. These, these franchises are so desperate that they have to take the risk. One, it's not a risk financially. Two, if you strike gold and, and Cook or Hackenberg become a starter, then you're like, boom, I got my guy for the next 10 to 12 years. And if you miss yeah. out, I, look, I like, could see Cook being a second rounder. I could definitely see Hackenberg dropping to the third round. Okay. I like that placement of the Cowboys. I just like it in, in the second round. I'd say third round. Okay. I like the Cowboys too. Cardell Jones. Where's Cardell going? Cardell. So the more I looked at Cardell, the more I think that the playoff run was an anomaly. And the real Cardell Jones was the one who had his spot taken by Braxton Miller and uh, not Braxton, uh, yeah, yeah, JT uh, Barrett. Not JT Barrett, sorry, JT Barrett. Yeah. Uh, so to me, he. The ceiling is high, though, because the good tape was good tape. True, but then so was. I think everybody's going to see Jamarcus Russell. For better or for worse, everybody's going to see Jamarcus Russell and him. Uh, hmm. So I would say that now you had Cleveland already taking somebody. I haven't had the Browns taking somebody. I think the Browns might take a long, you know, a flyer on him. Local kid. Maybe Third, fourth round. Head right. Yeah. Take a shot on him. So uh, he'll get drafted. I think he'll be drafted uh, probably third or fourth round. And there's a couple of teams, you know, maybe, maybe San Diego, like teams we talked about, maybe San Diego, maybe Arizona, yeah. maybe uh, something like that. But I'll have him going to Cleveland Browns, the hometown product. Um, I think this guy's got some athletic ability. I could see the Niners trying to get him if they can't get Paxton Lynch in the first round, maybe in the second round. 
I could also see Cleveland, right, or the Jets, like if neither one of them get Paxton. So I think Cardell's going to get picked. But for me, I, I hate to say this because I don't believe in any of these guys so much. And if I'm being honest, look, very few of us saw Carson Wentz or whatever. You know, you see little highlights here and there. I saw Goff play some games. I didn't love Goff, if I'm being honest, either. You know, so to me, there is the only guy that I liked really when I watched him play was I liked Paxton Lynch. I got to say, like, I was really impressed. That Ole Miss game, Paxton Lynch lit it up. And I was a big Memphis fan this year. So I watched a a couple more of their games. And um, I think out of everybody, he's got the highest ceiling. I think he's got – you know, six, seven athletic. I mean, this guy, he, he can make the throws. So that's just a little sidebar, but I could see Cardell and Hackenberg and cook all going in the second round, maybe a little bit of third, but everybody's going to be overdrafted. I just, I just think there's something going on in the air. It's all about defensive tackles and quarterbacks this year. And so Cardell will probably go, you know, Cleveland jets somewhere in that situation. Now, before we wrap this up and just end with a little bit of hockey and baseball, Give me out of these guys, Prescott, uh, Kevin Hogan, Cody Kessler. Can any of these guys, you know, be a surprise to you that and, – and whatever happened to Trayvon Boykin? Is he, like, switching positions or is he just getting no love? I think he's getting no love. You might have to okay. switch positions as a result of that. Um, okay. I think Kevin Hogan can be a serviceable backup. I think he can yeah. be a very – solid, you know, contributor. Um, Cody Kessler, you know, he's not huge, but he did some good things at USC. Did you see him with Indy Reid as a backup to the Chiefs to to take over for Alex Smith in three, four years? I like Cody Kessler. What about Vernon Adams? Nobody's giving Vernon love. He's got some talent. I think Vernon could be good. He's got some talent. Look, he's trying to be Russell Wilson, right? The little guy that transfers and goes to the, you know, the, 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 changes conferences and whatever. So he's a guy with some potential upside. I mean, he's got some Doug Flutie in him. So I, I like Vernon Adams. he got a nice arm, you know, strong arm for a small-ish guy. Um, I think these guys are serviceable, but I, I don't see any star power out of these quarterbacks. Nothing out of Dak Prescott? You don't like Prescott at all? Not at the next level, at the quarterback position. Yeah. No, you're right. And to me, out of all of them, Hogan or Kessler would be the best. And I think both of them are definitely like either basic Ryan Fitzpatrick starters or solid backups. So it'll be a fascinating draft. We'll see how it all goes down. Uh, listen, it's less than a week away. I, you know, it, it, it's fascinating. I can't wait. It's going to be a ton of trades and, you know, we'll get you ready for it on Monday. So Ray, let's let's talk a little bit about the hockey man. These series are are, are really heating up. Some of them are, are almost coming to an end, or if not at an end, um, I don't know. I mean, you're I know your Anaheim Ducks, your pick. They they look like they're uh, they could be in some in some trouble. Yeah, these hockey these hockey games are are uh, surprising, <laughs> but you know what? They're good though. These series are good. So are you've good. got. Yeah, the Washington Capitals is really the only team that looks like they're pulling it's away. Yeah. yeah, they're they're just it's all good. The Dallas Stars are also up three one. Yeah, um, both three one. But but that's the Islanders are tied, man. I'm hyped up. My Islanders are, are still in the picture. Yeah, everybody expected the they're two two away with that. 
but the Islanders are doing fine. Uh, yeah, my Anaheim Ducks. I'm a little worried about that. You know, you know, had a nice game last night though. Is um, the Chicago Blackhawks? You know, they were on the verge. Uh, it took them two overtimes, but they yeah. ended up. You know, they were on. They were down three one. That was an elimination game in St. Louis, and they ended up winning in double overtime. So that's uh, that's good for them. You know, my Anaheim Ducks, man, they had a big game last night also. The, the Predators were up 2-1. They scored four goals, the Ducks did, and they showed, hey, we're, we're back in the series. So they're back to having home court, home ice. Um, but these, these players are good. These players, what was the well, how about San Jose? It looks like the Kings are, are in trouble. I mean, the Sharks are up 3-1. Um, yeah, the other, the other one that's sad to me is it might be the end of an era where, where Pavel Datsuk maybe played his last game in Detroit and yeah. Tampa Bay won, only won nothing. But, you know, Tampa's doing better than I thought without Stamkos. Uh, Definitely. So they win that series 4-1, and the Red Wings, what was it, like 24, 25 straight years making the playoffs. And, and thank you and, and goodbye to Pavel Datsuk, one of the really all-time great Russians and all-time great hockey players. Yeah, no, Definitely. And, uh, you know, like you said, my Dallas uh, pick. Dallas is looking pretty good. I think they're gonna they're gonna finish that off and probably win the series four one. So you know, it's uh, I think the second round, like the NBA, the second round might be a little bit better. Not that the first round's been as bad as the NBA, but I think the second round is gonna be a little bit more competitive. We'll see some, uh, you know, you're gonna see some teams go head to head and 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 bang it out. So baseball, Ray, what? Can you say about the greatness of Bryce Harper? Because what this kid is doing, I mean, it's Roger Hornsby, it's, you know, Ted Williams, it's Stan Musial. His hitting is ridiculous. Home runs, RBI, slugging, everything's up from his MVP season last year. Uh, Give me your thoughts on Bryce Harper and and the Nats and, and, and kind of the season that you think he could potentially wind up having i mean it looks like it's an mvp season if he keeps up the pace but the stats could be phenomenal yeah so i like to see when these phenoms pan out right i hate it when somebody's hyped up and then two three years later they say he wasn't worth the hype this guy remember skipped high school got his ged he was that talented as a baseball player and you know he's a reigning mvp it's a steph curry situation right He, he looks like he'll be the mvp again on the other side, Mike Trout's actually having a very poor start to his season. Not since yeah. his rookie year has he played this badly. But um, this Washington Nationals team, you know, we all picked them to win between 95 and 100 games last year. The team hasn't changed that much. And so it shouldn't surprise anybody that, they're, that they have the best record in the AL uh, – sorry, in the NL East, um, second best in the league behind mm-hmm. the Chicago Cubs. So – Kudos to them, and Bryce Harper's a stud. I mean, the only thing you worry about is Bryce Harper's head a little bit, a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a hot head, and just staying healthy. Stay healthy. Just, you know, because he's so talented, you're a little worried. It's almost like Trout to some degree and A-Rod to some degree, Barry Bonds a little bit. It's, it's almost like those guys, you don't want them to do too much on the base pad. You don't want them to, to steal too many bases. You don't want their legs to get hurt. You know what I mean? You want them to, to play. Yeah, but you got to play the game, man. You got to play it you how gotta you play, play it. Of course, you got to yeah. play the game, but you got to find that balance, too, because, you know. How about the Nats getting some help? How about the Nats getting some help 
404, Daniel Murphy, formerly of the Mets, is leading the National League in hitting. That is a great story. <laughs> and good for him, because I'm actually not a huge Daniel Murphy fan, but between last year's playoffs and, like you said, 404 leading the league in hitting, that, that's pretty crazy. But uh, Only behind Machado in the American League. Machado's 407, so that's, okay. that's great, Ray. Oh, man. Uh, you know, listen. Like you said, you like to see these guys have, you know, good seasons and stuff. And um, the Nats and the Orioles, man, they, there's a lot of hitting on those teams. If their pitching could keep it up, you know, they could have a, a wind-up with a Beltway series. So before we end it, one little note. El Tigre, there was a sighting, and he played some golf, and he looked really, really good. They're saying he might be back for the Players' uh, Championship. What are your thoughts about El Tigre looking kind of healthy again and maybe making a return soon? He's only 40. I think he, he might have, a, he might have a, a major championship in him. If you think about it, Phil Mickelson, Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholas, sorry, maybe Jack Nicholson too, but these guys <laughs> in their 40s are, were balling, right? And there's no reason to think that – the best golfer of all time who physically, you know, reinvented himself and the game can't win another one. Now, granted, it's much harder now with all these guys with Spieth and Day and, and, and Bubba Watson and all these guys in their 20s and 30s. Rory, yeah. Rory McIlroy. But you know what? I like Tiger's chances. Maybe not to win four, but to win one more. By the way, I'm, I'm reading here on ESPN, props that Rico gathers – who is trading in his football or trading in his basketball jersey for football. He's trying to be the next Antonio Gates and, you know, that, that football player turns uh, – or that uh, basketball player, Tony Gonzalez, turns football Yeah, from, the kid from – was he from Baylor or was Baylor. he from – Baylor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard – I remember hearing about that during the tournament that he might do that. That's pretty crazy. Hey, he which – He hasn't played since middle school, though. Hey. So apparently somebody got in his ear and said, you know, you have a better chance to make some cash as a tight end in the NFL tight end, as opposed to being an undersized four. you know, there's no more Clarence Weatherspoons out there. Yeah. That's actually really smart for him. And you know what? Gates and Gonzalez, these guys have paved the way. It, it, it probably can work if he's got decent hands, you know, basketball, you use your hands. So you think he's got good hands, he's a good rebounder. Go for it, right? Yeah, give it a shot. So, all right. Well, great show. Uh, everybody have a great week weekend. Rest in peace, the Prince. We wish everybody a happy Passover. And uh, listen, enjoy the playoffs. NBA, NHL, uh, maybe some more trades in the NFL. These guys are going crazy. These GMs, who knows? But uh, either way, it will be fun. And uh, thanks for listening. Have a have a great sports weekend. We're out. Oh.